Hello, neighbor. You are listening to the New Garden Church podcast, and we are so glad you're here. Our church meets at 10 a.m. at DuPont Tyler Middle School in Hermitage, Tennessee. You can join us in person, or you can catch our gatherings after the fact on our YouTube channel. We would love to hear from you. We hope that you enjoy what you hear today and check back in with us again soon. Good morning. Um, I'm, man, I, I'm really glad that you're here. Uh, there, there's really not another church that I know of that is like ours. So I'm really glad that you chose to spend your morning here with us. Uh, once again, glad that our kids are in here today. If you're a kid, uh, you might have picked up a coloring sheet on the way in. If you didn't, um, that, might, that might help you out as we're talking today. It might help you focus on the stories that we're reading through. Um, that could be cool. And there's crayons. And coloring is fun. So that might be a good way for you to stay engaged. There's also whiteboards if you want to maybe draw what's happening in the story, too. Um, Because we're talking about two different stories today. Uh, But before we get too far into it, um, I wanted to pray for us. So let's pray. Uh, God, man, we come before you, and uh, we are thankful that we have a group of people to be with and a place to be. Uh, God, I just ask that you will... Uh, send your spirit into this place this morning. God, please be with me as I try to deliver a message. Uh, God, if there's anything that I say this morning that's not from you, I just hope that uh, it'll be gone and easily forgotten. Uh, God, and I just ask that you'll speak. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So as we're walking through the gospel of Luke together this fall, each Sunday we're talking about two different stories Uh, from the Gospel of Luke, and these stories are going to be similar in some way. And so two weeks ago, we talked about how two different people, uh, they they reacted differently to Jesus being presented at the temple by his parents. Last week, we talked about how Jesus offered forgiveness in front of the Pharisees to two different people on separate occasions. Uh, And today, we are talking about uh, two stories And I want you to think this morning about how they might be similar, because it might not be as obvious as the last two. And it's important to note that Luke, the author of this book, uh, he he says these stories happened right after Jesus shares the longest sermon recorded in the book of Luke. Some call it the Sermon on the Plains, uh, the Sermon on the Plateau. Um, It's in Luke chapter 6. You might have heard of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. Uh, It's kind of similar in content to that. Uh, And in this sermon, Jesus lays out a new way of living, uh, one that is in many ways opposite of the way that most of us live, the way that people in that time lived. Uh, He says that the kingdom of God belongs to the poor, uh, that those who hunger will be satisfied, and those who weep will laugh. And he tells people to love their enemies and not to judge others. And he tells people to take his words and make them the foundation of their life. When we think of the new kingdom of God that Jesus talks about, that he outlines in chapter 6 and in his other teachings, we can imagine Jesus flipping the game. Uh, Those who are last will be first, and those who are first will be last. And with that in mind, we can read our scripture today in Luke chapter 7. So Luke chapter 7 starts like this. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. 
the centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, the man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And then we hear this. When Jesus heard that he was a when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And he turning to the crowd, following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. So that's story number one. Jesus is traveling with his apostles, and they're stopped by a group of Jewish elders who have come to him on behalf of this centurion. And I think to understand this story, we have to understand just how big of a following Jesus had by this point. Um, the word was largely out about this guy from Nazareth who was driving out demons, healing people, and he was even claiming to forgive sins. In chapter 6, we find that a large crowd is following Jesus around, and they're even waiting for him to come down from the mountain that he went up to pray. And so when we say that Jesus entered Capernaum, he was not alone we can imagine Jesus being in the village surrounded by people. I don't know if you watched the Tennessee game yesterday. All the people came down to the field, right? Probably not quite that crazy, uh, less cigars, but still a lot of people. And so this would have been big news that Jesus of Nazareth had come to their town. And so this centurion, you might not know what a centurion is, not something that we have today. Uh, they'd be a non-Jewish person. We don't really know his nationality. We're not told. Likely, he was a Roman. And he was in charge of 100 soldiers. So he wasn't the top of the military, but he was a person of rank. You could think of him like a lieutenant, if that's helpful, helpful to you. Uh, the Jewish elders, they tell Jesus uh, that their friend, the centurion, has a servant, and his servant isn't doing well. So what does Jesus do? He's in the middle of these people. He's trying to go with something and... He stops what he's doing, he stops where he's going, and he heads that way to be doing what, what, what this person has asked of him. Um, in the midst of all that is likely is going on, Jesus is present and these pe with these people and their needs. Uh, and while they're on their way, a few of the centurion's friends, they come out to him, they come out and meet Jesus, and they tell him that the centurion doesn't even believe himself to, worthy to come and talk to Jesus. And so they say, the centurion says, if you just say the word, it'll happen. And so Jesus is amazed by this, specifically amazed at the faith of the centurion. I've been thinking about this a lot this week. What does it mean that Jesus was amazed at the faith of the centurion? Um, was he just amazed that the centurion believed that Jesus could do it? Was, did, was he amazed that he just believed in the power that he had? See, and this is why I find it interesting that Luke tells us this story right after Luke chapter 6, which we talked about earlier. Uh, Jesus was inviting people into this new way of living, this flipped way of living. And here is this centurion, this person of rank, 
And he cares deeply about his servant. So much so that he's going out of his way. He's, he's going like last option. Maybe this healer person can take care of him. So showing love for servants, for servants may be easier than loving our enemies, uh, but it's still different than I think was the normal in that time and something that we might understand now. Um, this centurion, he's embracing this new way of life that Jesus is inviting people into. He's someone who's a person of rank, and here he is caring for a servant. And so we're told uh, that Jesus is amazed by this. And when the servants return to the house, they see that this servant has been healed. Um, he was amazed. Jesus was amazed, and then something happened. So this is what happens next, immediately after in Scripture. Uh, yeah, yeah, Jesus was amazed. Okay, I already said that. You know, that's just, that's old news at this point. Um, soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd gathered uh, and went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bier they were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. All right. So in this story, once again, we see Jesus on his way to do something, on his way into a town, and he sees this funeral procession. And we're told that there's a large crowd, uh, which would be normal. Uh, communal public grief was part of their culture following the loss of life. And uh, uh, he's moved. We're told that his heart goes out to this widow. He says, don't cry. But Jesus, he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just stop with his heart going out to this person. He's feeling compassion, but the story doesn't end. Uh, he takes action. He brings this son of hers back to life. Everyone there was in awe. They just saw a person who was dead and is alive again. I mean, I'm amazed too. And so the word about Jesus spread. And so once again, I want to point to the sermon of Jesus in chapter 6 as he's inviting people into this flipped kingdom. So one of the things that he says in the sermon is, Blessed are those who weep now, for you will laugh. I think here we're seeing just a peak of this kingdom of God coming into our world that Jesus is talking about. You know, Jesus' life and ministry gives us a lot of these little glimpses. And through the Holy Spirit, we can still have some of these glimpses today. We can experience the kingdom of God in, in some form now as God is creating this eternity for us that we'll, we'll get to be a part of. So this woman, she had already lost her husband and now she had lost her only son. So she was already not doing well, having lost her husband. And now she's lost her son. In our world, that's bad. In that world, she is now scraping the bottom of the social order. And so we see Jesus being compassionate. His heart goes out to her, and he shows mercy to someone in society that would, that would not be the top, right? First will be last, last will be first, right? He takes action. He's moved, and he takes action. So, I was thinking this week, as I was, as I was preparing 
Jesus felt compassion. As I was preparing, I was thinking, what's the point of a sermon? Is it to learn something new? Is it to be moved? Is it to understand how we can better apply the stories of Jesus to our lives? And when I come back to often in my faith is this simple prayer, Father, help us be more like Jesus. Because I think that sums up a lot. Uh, And I think that should be something that happens to us when we are here every single week. We should be a group of people that is becoming more like Jesus. And so this morning, I want us to pay attention to Jesus' thoughts, actions, and feelings so that we can be more like that. In both stories, Jesus was moved. In the first story, he was amazed by the faith of the centurion. In the second story, he felt compassion. His heart went out to the widow. And then it didn't stop there. He took action. A lot of times when I read through stories from Jesus' life, I'm amazed at the presence that Jesus has in the moment with the people that are right in front of him. I know personally this is a struggle for me. Uh, but there's, there's a lot of people around Jesus vying for his attention, and he has this extreme ability to see people and to interact with them like they're the only person there, to interact with them like they're the person he was planning to see all along. I don't know about you, but man, once again, this is hard for me, um, especially when I'm having an encounter that I did not plan for. I'm a terrible multitasker, and when I get my mind set on something, I just want to do it. I'm focused on that thing. But... Sometimes in life, something pops up, and it wants our attention. How do we respond? This happens to me a lot uh, at the coffee shop that I work at one day a week. I'll take somebody's order. They'll tell me they want a latte. I'm like, great, I can do that. I'll start working on their latte, and I'm over here doing the latte stuff. And then that person wants to, starts wanting to have a conversation with me across the bar. And this is hard, because I cannot both talk and move my hands at the same time unless they're connected, right? And so in this moment, I have to, have to think, do I be present with this person in this moment, have this conversation, or do I just shake them off, hit them with the, oh, yeah, totally, man, that's crazy, and keep it moving? Oh, the weather, yeah, I know. And this is hard. Um, so this is a great opportunity, and maybe for some of you too, um, you're busy, you've got a lot going on, and then all of a sudden, something or someone needs your attention. Parents, uh, you may relate to this. You know, you've got a lot of things going on, and all of a sudden there's a human person who needs your attention in this moment. How are you going to respond? I think all of us can probably think of situations like this, teachers, nurses, anybody. This is a normal thing that we all experience. And so if we take this message to heart this morning, this part where we're deciding we're going to go out from here and we're going to be more present, I guarantee you there will be a time this week where that will be put to the test. You will be on your way to do something, and someone will call you, someone will stop you, someone will be asking for your time, for your energy, for your attention. How are we going to respond in that moment? Um, We can try to be more like Jesus this week. Uh, We can try to be present in these moments uh, like Jesus was. And so Jesus is present in these moments. If he's not present, he cannot be moved. He can't be amazed. He cannot be, his heart cannot go out to somebody. He can't feel that compassion if he's not aware of what's happening in the moment. And so, in both stories, he wasn't just simply having strong emotions. Something then happened, right? He was moved to action. Maybe that's why it's called he was moved, right? 
because he was moved to something. And so in thinking about this week's lesson, uh, I wanted to come up with an example from a story that maybe most of us would know about a time when a character in this story was moved. And I could think about it a lot, thinking about Star Wars and thinking about uh, all these things. I'm thinking about rom-coms and thinking about um, even horror movies. And then I thought that this would be perfect because what is 70 days from today? Christmas, right? And that's something that we celebrate, right? And so the story that I thought about where someone was moved was the story of the Grinch, right? The Grinch, and he is this guy, and he lived uh, up away from Whoville on the mountain, and the Whos, they loved Christmas, right? And the Grinch, he hated Christmas. He hated Christmas so much that he set out to steal Christmas from this town in Whoville. And so what does the Grinch do? He goes around, he takes all the toys from under the trees of these poor kids and people in Whoville, and he takes them off, and he decides, I'm going to push these toys off the top of this mountain. And so he's pushing them up to the top of the mountain, and you've probably seen one of the movies or read the book, and he's pushing them up the top of the mountain. And what happens is, all of a sudden, he hears singing from down in Whoville. This beautiful Christmas singing, and they don't even have their presents. And they're singing because it's Christmas, and they're joyful. And in this moment, the Grinch is moved. His heart grows how many sizes? Three. That's right. His heart grows three sizes. He is moved in this moment. And I want us to just imagine the story stopping right there. Because I think this happens to us a lot. We're going through, we, we hear something, we see something, we have a conversation with someone and we're moved. And then we immediately forget about it, we move on with our day, and we just go on and nothing has changed, right? So I want us to imagine that the Grinch's heart grows three sizes, he's moved, and then he's like, all right, well, this is what I came to do, and he just pushes the gifts off the top of the mountain anyways. Not a good story, right? That's not a good story. So this is what actually happened. The Grinch takes the gifts back down to Whoville. He makes amends with the Who's. And he has been moved in his heart, and he took action because of that. And so that's my prayer for us this morning. Um, I ask that as we go through our weeks this week, that we will be moved and that we will be present enough in the moments in our life to be moved, and then we will take action, that we will be changed. Um, because if we are coming here every week and we are not a changed people, I think that we're missing something. And so this morning, uh, that is my prayer for us, that we will be people who are deeply moved by the Spirit of Jesus and that it does not stop there. Um, I ask that our lives will be transformed by the same spirit of Jesus. Um, yeah. And that we'll be filled with the spirit and that our lives will be changed. Um, as we begin to focus our time towards the table this morning, uh, I want us to remember Jesus' time on earth. Let that sink into our core. Let's be present in this moment together as we think about 
Jesus. We can think about Jesus from these two stories today. Jesus was a person who was extremely present with those around him. Jesus was moved to tears on multiple instances. And Jesus changed the world that we live in today. We are sitting here because of Jesus. And so as we go to the table this morning, let's remember what we're doing. We are joining in, taking communion with Christians all over our world. Uh, It's not just us. It's not just people in Nashville. There's Christians all over the world on every single continent who are doing this with us today. Um, Letting Jesus into our lives uh, symbolically so that we can go out into the world and, and be changed. And that we can, we can let other people in our world experience Jesus through us this week. And so as we go to the table, uh, that's what I want us to be focused on. So I'll pray for us, and then we'll go to the table this morning. Let's pray. God, we come before you this morning asking uh, that you will make us more like Jesus. That you will help us be present in the moment with the people that we encounter, even the encounters that we didn't plan. God, we ask that 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 presence, uh, in that we will be moved to action. Help us to see what needs to be done and, and, and have the tools to do it and know what to do. Transform our hearts to be more like yours. I thank you for sending Jesus into this world to bring new life and transformation. Help us to remember that as we go to the table this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's go to the table. That's it for this time. Thank you for checking in with us, and we'll be back with another episode next week.